welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 275, Reuse and Recycle, an interview with Natalie Walters, coming to you on Thursday, November 25th, 2021. Happy Thanksgiving! If you're in the U.S. or someplace else and you just are celebrating Thanksgiving anyway, happy Thanksgiving! If you're in Canada, happy Thanksgiving last month. Sorry I didn't say anything. <laughs> I hope that you are enjoying your day whenever it is that you are listening to this episode. And for everybody who doesn't do Thanksgiving, totally fine. Don't care because all I wanted to say was I am very, very grateful for you. I'm grateful that you are listening to the show, letting me know when something is uh, really helpful to you, uh, reaching out, giving me encouragement, uh, telling me that you like me giving you encouragement. I love our relationship that we have and I thank you for being part of my life. So Definitely wanted to tell you that. <laughs> um, and also, still writing, right? If it's a, a nano thing that you're doing this year, um, I am happy to say that I am 25 days in a row. Yay! Um, I'm usually not a uh, wanting to write every single day sort of girl. Um, I usually want to do it, you know, Monday through Friday or on my certain schedule because I have all these other things and I don't like interrupting my writing because, oh, look at the time I have to go there, do this other thing. Um, I like to have everything kind of organized and, um, but I've been having fun doing it this month, even though I don't always write a lot of words. Um, sometimes I have though, so that's also been fun. Uh, however, since I am writing a short story, it's a little bit of a problem that I keep on going, <laughs> though uh, it is for the readers of my newsletter, so my author newsletter. Uh, I suppose nobody's going to be upset that they get a longer story than <laughs> they might have expected. So yeah, I'll probably just keep on writing until I get to the end, then go back and make sure I've done a really, really good edit. Make sure then my editor does another good edit. And then when we get into the final, final, this is really actually good, then I'll be like, whew. <laughs> and you know what, whatever word count it ends up, it's fine because I'm giving it to my wonderful readers. So that's what I'm working on this month. Um, I wanted to let you know too, I know that uh, Black Friday, not only is supposed to be tomorrow, but has been all week and in some places started last week. So yay, I guess. Uh, but I mentioned in the episode last week, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the pressure and the hurry up and buy now thing. So I am doing a special, but it is from now through the end of the year. So through December 31st, 2021, I'm offering $250 off my coaching packages so that if you or someone you know would really love to have the gift of six months of working with someone who can help them with all the things that they're struggling with, encourage them to keep on going, point them in the right direction, give them feedback on their work. Like that's what I do. It's what I love to do. And my prices are going up in January. So I thought, you know what, this is a really good time to offer a sale. I personally don't like the high pressure tactics of well, whatever tactics are the kinds that I have run into in the past, whether it's buying a car or, um, you know, buying something on the internet that I only have seven more minutes to make the purchase. Uh, it just stresses me out. So 
Uh, I like the idea of being able to offer this as a gift giving possibility, either one that you can ask for yourself or give to someone else. So um, the $2,750 package is $2,500 instead, uh, if you pay in full by December 31st, 2021. If you'd like the, the payment plan, because it just works out easier for you, better for you, uh, then that will be $500 a month for six months. And uh, it still ends up to be cheaper than um, if you, well, I suppose if you paid in full, it's still going to be $3,000 in January, but the payment plan would be higher at that point. So anyway, uh, it uh, gives you some discounts, gives you some time to think about it. If this sounds interesting to you, either for yourself or for a friend, email me kitty at kittybuholtz.com and I'll send you a link to my scheduler so we can get on a quick Zoom call. And then we can talk real quick about um, what you're doing or, or your friend, whichever one, um, what they're doing, what genre they're writing in, where they're at, what they feel like they might need, make sure our personalities mesh because, you know, personalities and relationships are a huge part of working with somebody else, whether you're working together in the office or your friends or you're, you know, in a school class together or whatever, uh, personality makes a difference. So I just want to make sure that I'm always working with people who actually like the personality that I have, which as you know, is a little bubbly, very encouraging and, um, and make sure that, uh, you know, what people are writing is something that I, that I really feel confident that I can help make a, a better book. Uh, with the with the author by the end. So, so that's what I'm doing as a sale. If you're interested, give me an email. And uh, let's see. I think the only other thing that I wanted to say is Natalie's back. And I love her. She's so funny. Uh, while I was doing some of the edits for this interview, I was like, man, did I really even give her enough time to talk? But that's what happens is I get to talking to somebody and then I, yeah, just want to share my story so that it has to do with their story. And then how did your story relate to what I just said? And this is the way that I talk. And, um, you know, it may not be classic interview style, but Natalie and I enjoy it. So <laughs> she was happy to come back on the show. And she said, you know, what about, um, you know, have you had any guests talking about what do you do with the things that you had to cut? Either an editor had you cut it or you realize you're going off in a wrong direction. You had to take out an entire chapter or a few chapters. You know, um, has anybody talked about what you could do with that instead of just hitting the delete button forever and ever? So that's what we're talking about today. What can you do with the things that you've deleted? I think that you are going to enjoy the episode for sure and also get some great tips or reminders for things that you're like, oh yeah, I had thought about doing that and then I totally forgot about it. So here we go. Let's talk to Natalie. Today's guest is Natalie Walters. Natalie is the author of Living Lies and Deadly Deceit. A military wife of 25 years, she currently resides in Texas with her soldier husband and their three kids. She writes full-time and has been published in Proverbs 31 magazine and has blogged for guideposts online. In addition to balancing life as a military spouse, mom, and writer, she loves connecting on social media, sharing her love of books, cooking, and traveling. Natalie comes from a long line of military and law enforcement veterans and is passionate about supporting them through volunteer work, races, and writing stories that affirm no one is defined by their past. Welcome, Natalie. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? 
I'm good. I'm so glad to be here with still here, but you're there, but we're together. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And this is different. Last year you were on the show. I, I you and I were thinking, you know, it's probably March ish, March, yes. April. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and you were reminding me that we were sort of talking around, like, should we maybe not mention like COVID? Cause maybe it'll be over in a couple of weeks. And <laughs> right. We had no idea if we could go back and tell ourselves back then, like, Prepare, yeah. <laughs> prepare, put up yeah. the sandbags. That's right. Whatever that would be in a allegorical sort of sense. <laughs> <laughs> Stock up on toilet paper. <laughs> Please don't overstock on toilet right. paper. <laughs> That's right. Take what you need, people. That's right. That's right. <laughs> But in the meantime, you have moved half a world away from Hawaii to Texas, which is actually working out very well for both of us because you yes. had to get up super early and I had to stay up super late in order to do the <laughs> last interview. Yes. But here we are, we're both awake, it's daytime. Yes, awake, the sun is out, it's nice. I've had a cup of tea, run some errands, it's very good. <laughs> I have to say, I'm enjoying this. I, I kind of want you to stay in this time zone for a while. <laughs> yeah, that is the plan. That is the plan. We are hoping that um, this will be our last move with the military and we can retire officially. So the plan is to stay in the central time zone. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's right. So you're in central. I'm in central European. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Does that make you 12 hours ahead? Six hours. No, let's see. Not, it can't seven. be 12 because it would be seven hours. Okay, yeah. seven hours. Yeah. Okay. So not too bad. No. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. Because when we were living in Egypt, we were six hours ahead of the East Coast. So that makes right. sense. You're seven oh. hours ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the same. I didn't realize I was in the same time yeah. zone as Egypt. Yeah. Well, now you do. There now you I go. learn something new. <laughs> Every that, day. That kind of segues us into what we wanted to talk about. So I was saying, Natalie, reading your new book, Lights Out, loving it. Uh, but what are we going to talk about? In addition to, I have a new book out because as writers, we know that, um, the proper way to sell your books is not to post all over social media. I have a new book, <laughs> buy my book. <laughs> oh, you mean like if I was to just be like, oh, here's my book, buy my new book. <laughs> what a beautiful cover if you're not Isn't watching on YouTube. I <laughs> was not at all planned, people. Just happened to be here. <laughs> Just happened to be laying on the desk. You That's know what? Right. It's always good to be prepared. I mean, it's a podcast interview. You don't really know what someone's going to ask. You don't. And let me just tell you, this is the first time that I've had my books before the launch date. And let me say that it wasn't without its technical errors, because if anybody follows me on social media, and I hope that they will, because I have a lot of fun being honest and vulnerable and just being truthful. Um, <laughs> I've had a history of never being the author who gets to like do her grand. Here's my new book. I'm so glad the little like videos or whatever, because they're never like we lived in Hawaii. It, it didn't get there in time. So my first book, my debut novel, I actually had to order from Amazon, have it delivered to our hotel when we were traveling in New York so that I'd have it. And I ended up getting it like two days after, <laughs> after the release. So I, so it just, it's become like this running joke. So probably like a, a week, a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago, I get this call or I get a text message from our old neighbor in Hawaii who said that the new military family living at our old address just got four boxes delivered. And I said, oh no. And I said, can you tell me who the boxes are from? And they're like, oh, they're from your publisher. And I was like, they're my books. No. So 
my books went to Hawaii and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how to get them back here. They're never. So I sent my, um, my editor or my publisher a note and I said, Hey, what do I need to do? Do they just need to send them back to like, send them back to, um, to you guys. And then she's like, Oh yeah, we'll take care of it. We'll send you out new books. They, my, I have three, I have three boxes sitting over here of my new books, but they came. And so it came the fastest this ever come. So it was this whole thing, but Ravel came in and I got my books. And so that's a very long story about books and how <laughs> we just roll with the punches. Exactly. And we want to say thank you, Ravel. That was yes. awesome of you. Yes. Yes. Way <laughs> to come in. <laughs> oh, I have to say, I have never lived in a country where I had to, um, put so much, um, put so much weight on patience and just choosing to not mind whatever happens next is what happens. And I have no control over it, but, um, mail and packages and books. I, I got a UPS or USPS. I don't remember tracking number for a book that I bought in August, August 7th, oh, August wow. 20th. Um, and I keep getting these emails. Your book is now passed through, you know, the Los Angeles, you know, international <laughs> center. I'm like, okay, well, I guess it would go to Los Angeles from Arizona in order to get sent overseas. Now your book is now passed through someplace else in Europe. Your book is now passed through Stockholm. I'm like, it's on its way. Right. The next email, your book is now passed through Chicago. Oh Why? my. <laughs> Why is it passed through Chicago? Right. right. Yeah. Why is my book in Shanghai? Yes. Why is like, why did my book go to the Ozarks? I'm just like, if you just track them and you're just like, why, why is my stuff? Like, why, why Istanbul? Why? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> like, does it get a little visa passport stamp every place it goes? It should. It should. Cause that would be a lot more fun. At least when you receive right? it, you can be like, well, at least it got to travel. Right. Exactly. Like it. And then you'd have to like with gloves because you're not sure where it's been, if it's been, you know, <laughs> right. Right. Well, I, eventually I got another email saying it was in Stockholm again. I'm like, okay, good. So, yeah. you know, I had called the, the, um, you know, it was like a used bookstore that I bought it from. I'd called them and, and they're like, well, we'll, not much that we can do, but if there's anything we can do, we will. In the meantime, right. we'll refund your money. I'm like, well, let's just see if I get the book. You don't need to refund my money. Right. I want the book, not the money. Right. Right. And, and then, you know, a couple of days later, it's in Stockholm. Great. Good. Okay. Well, now I'm going to stop thinking about that a week right. later. Your book is in Chicago. I'm like, <laughs> I'm glad they refunded my money. I'm never going to see that book. Right. Right. Not ever. And if you, by the time you get it, it'll be a book. You'll be like, I don't even know. This is not the book. <laughs> Yeah. And they had sent me like a automated reply that said something about if you end up with two copies of the book, uh, we kindly ask that you would donate the second copy copy to a charity or hospital or something like that. And I'm thinking, why would I get two copies? And why would you think I was going to like throw it away or something? But now I'm like, you guys have been in this international shipping business longer right. than me, haven't you? Right, right. <laughs> They're like, yeah, we're just going to resend this book to her. And then if it gets two, you get two. Whichever yeah. one gets there first, it's a race. Yes, exactly. And all of this actually does segue into our topic, which I'm jokingly calling reduced, reused, recycle. Look at us being all, all like conservationists of books. Right. And, and so what we're doing is like in the same way that we are trying to protect the earth so that it lasts longer. We also want to protect our, I'm making this up as I'm going along. We're also <laughs> trying to protect our writing careers so that they last longer. Therefore, if you write something and then you have to delete it because that 
section just didn't actually end up going with that story. What do you do? Or you live in 42 different places like you and I have. What can I do with the stress of moving all the time? There must be something I can take from it and use it to make money. <laughs> I'll put it in my books. So Natalie, tell us. <laughs> You and I were talking, there's, there's a bunch of things that you've mentioned, um, living in Egypt, reusing characters that you ended up having to take out of one book and then realizing, Ooh, I already have a character. Right. So give us an example or two. What have you done and, and how has it kind of come together or worked out for you? Yeah. So actually, um, it kind of all connects with like Egypt and, and this current book that I've got going out. So when I, when our family was living in Egypt, I wrote my first manuscript. Our family had um, we got there uh, two weeks before the Arab Spring. So we lived during all the like turmoil of, of the country kind of evolving into what it is now. And so I had written this, this story and I had a character, um, Jack Hudson, who was a CIA operative um, working in the country at the time and uh, wrote this, what I thought was like this great story and um, had it all finished, got ready to like, um, pitch it actually there's two characters in it I'll go to the second one in a second but um got you know because you spend a lot of time writing these characters living with them they're living in your mind you kind of know everything you know they always tell you like do your character profile know what they like to eat know their political views know what kind of music they like all these things and so you kind of build this character up and then um, I submitted this manuscript to several editors and it just didn't really go anywhere. Um, the topic was a little bit uh, too relevant to what was currently going on in the world. And um, so it got rejected and I said, okay, well, we'll just stick that in the thing. But, you know, um, didn't delete it. And obviously like the characters never left my mind and living in Egypt during that time, that experience never really left my mind. So um, fast forward 10 years and I'm starting this new agency, the SNAP agency, um, and I need a strong lead character. Okay, Jack, welcome back. So <laughs> I bring Jack back into the story. He's pretty much the same as he was um, prior there. I changed his job around a little bit and um, was able to deep, dig a little bit deeper into his background and, and, and figure out where, how has he changed? Like what has happened? Um, and be able to put him into the new story. And I think that that it was really fun to be able to do that as well as be able to pull um, because there's an Egyptian element in this story. I was able to draw on some of that experience that I had there, which I had um, the first chapter is actually available to read. There's a link on my um, Facebook page if people want to read the first chapter to the story. But I had uh, my friend who we lived in Egypt together. And then my sister who came and visited Egypt while we were living there. And both of them had emailed me separately when they got to read the first chapter and were just like, oh my goodness, this was so great. Like, it was like I was back in Egypt again. And to me, that was such a high compliment because they lived there, so they experienced it. And for me to be able to make it like how, for them to be able to relive that was really great. So I was like, okay, good. So that would, I would hope would mean that like my readers who haven't been there are going to get a really authentic taste of what it was like to live, to live there. So, yeah. um, so I'm like, so I was excited about, I was excited about that, but I loved, I love being able to, I think as writers, we need to, whatever we write, whatever comes into our mind, 
even if it doesn't work with the scene or necessarily the story or the character, if there's a something that just really sticks like, oh, I really like that line, or I really like this scene, but it doesn't work here, I don't just delete it and trash it. I will delete it as I'm writing and then I will like copy paste it and put it onto a separate document and I will title it like, um, uh, for instance, for this one might be like fatal code deleted scenes and I'll go in there and I'll save it because it might not be a scene that I use there. It could be a scene that I use in another story. I might change even the characters. Like I might like, I really like the impact of this scene, but I'm gonna use it in a different story with different characters if I can. Or if there's a scene that I can put into a later story, or it can be a deleted scene that you offer to your, your readers as a, as a bonus perk for newsletter subscribers or whatever. So there's nothing that can go to waste. And I think um, that's the fun part about writing is like, no matter what we write, none of it's ever just junk. Yeah. save it or you know even write a note to yourself and then keep it for when it could come back and be like oh remember that scene and then you're able to put it in a new and fresh light and I don't think if I look back I don't know that like Jack's story would be as great as I think his story is now so I'm glad that he made a comeback and then the second character who I had there was actually a secondary character in there um Claudia who actually makes her first debut appearance in uh my Harvard Secret series but then also she's getting a novella, which I'm working on right now. So, so she's coming back too. So there, I always think like, don't, you know, characters are worth their value. You know, if you put the time and energy into them and if they're popping into your mind, they need a story. Yeah. I love that. And it's funny. The reason why I started deleted scenes, unexpected superhero and deleted scenes, little miss lovesick. It's funny. Cause, um, had the same, it's not like it's a, uh, you know, classic, uh, word document title, but <laughs> it's just funny because I'm like, oh, that's exactly what I called mine. But mine was because I couldn't stand the idea of just hitting the delete key. I'm like, you know, maybe I'll, and then over time when I, you know, learned more about writing, publishing, marketing, um, all the different things that readers are interested in, all the different ways that you can use things, or <clears throat> like you said, when you, um, write uh, either a full book or a proposal for a book. And, and now you've, you've mapped out this whole story, but the publisher doesn't want it. And you're like, what am I gonna do with it now? Right. So um, it's great to have all this stuff. And I noticed one of the other things um, that is that um, like the, I follow um, the Hallmark publisher on Twitter because I've loved Hallmark since I was nine. And, <laughs> and you know, don't tell them, but honestly, I wouldn't really care how much the money was. I just want to have one Hallmark book with my name on it just because, yes. you know. Yes. <laughs> um, but so I think uh, if I sent them two things, but, you know, it's, it's a full and complete story. It's three chapters in a proposal. And I have backstory with all the characters and everything because you needed that in order to write three chapters. And I'm like, what am I going to do with this now? But then I see, you know, a, a tweet that says, Hallmark is currently looking for stories set in this or stories that have this in them. And so I go back through all of my old documents, yes. all the things that I haven't published or didn't sell. And I'm like, Ooh, Ooh, oh, maybe I'll try that bounty hunter story. And I'll just change it from being a bounty hunter to being a, <laughs> a bakery else. owner. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was thinking FBI, but sure. Bounty hunter didn't <laughs> baker. <laughs> The baker that saves, right? <laughs> That's right. Oh, 
so, so many great ideas. Now, have you sent out any kind of deleted work or used that as a, um, like, what am I going to talk about in my newsletter this week? Oh, I think it'll be, I'm going to talk to my readers about this. Yeah. Yeah, I have. I've done, I've definitely like offered like deleted scenes. I know, um, for the, the, uh, current story that's coming out, there was, I had a whole character, a whole scenario that like happened. And I wrote the chapters. I think I must've wrote like maybe, I don't know, three or four drafts of the chapter. And then was finally like, I, I think I hit kind of like a, a writer's block stumbling wall. And I realized, oh, I've got to cut this character. I've got to cut this, like it's too much. And so now I have that as something to be able to offer like, hey, so, you know, here's something you guys can read. And interestingly enough, I think, trying to remember if it, um, in, in Living Lies, so in my first book there, um, I had, I had done a um, book club uh, Zoom with some readers and they had talked about like, we noticed that like, there's this, like you brought in this character, this waiter, and then all of a sudden, like the little boy goes missing. We feel like there should have been more there. And I was like, oh, y'all have good eagle eyes because there was more there, but <laughs> the editor in the process of editing was like, we need to cut this. It doesn't, you know, it kind of promises that there's going to be more, but then you solve it too quickly. So we need to cut this part out of the, out of the story. And so, um, so, but most people wouldn't catch those little, you know, little things, but it is, there's, you know, there's scenes as a writer we're writing. And I, I was telling you before we, we started um, chatting earlier that I, my editor came back and was like this new book that um, the second book in the series the second chapter, cut it, doesn't need. So I have a whole second chapter that I'll be able to offer to, um, you know, my readers to say like, hey, this is what happens when you're just writing la-da-da and your editor's like, okay, no more la-da-das. We got to get to the point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, have, okay. you gotten, have you gotten any replies from readers? Oh, I, I do. So it just, it just depends. Like I, um, I think one of the things I think the readers really enjoys when they get to see like these little behind the scene deleted scenes because I think that for them and even for me as like a reader if I had an author who I like loved and they were like okay here's really what happened and you're like oh yes it's kind of like the reality yes. show of like books right like oh this is what happened when the camera stopped rolling you know right. so, so that's fun in fact I wrote um a Christmas novella which I gave to my new uh newsletter subscribers um last was it last year might have been the year before um but it was basically like, okay, what are my characters doing now? You know what I mean? And I did a, I wrote a whole like novelette that was like Christmas, like everybody returned for like a Christmas reunion and it was fun. And then, and, um, during COVID, um, we, you know, everybody's locked at home. And so I was like, okay, well, what are my characters doing if they're locked at home? And so I did a little, like just a, on my newsletter, it was just like a little bit of like, with some photo, like, you know, photos I took off of the internet, like, okay, here's what their apartment looks like. Here's what movies they're watching. Here's the dog that they got, you know, the COVID dog or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so it was fun. So I had a great response from readers um, being able to kind of get that little insider glimpse because to me, my characters feel very real. I think to the readers, they feel very real. So it's kind of like a continuation of the story that they, that the characters continue to live on even after the you know, the final pages has been read. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, from all kinds of, I like pretty much any kind of story thing. So whether it's um, music or TV show or movie or book, uh, 
or if there's some other medium that I can't think of or is yet to be discovered. <laughs> I, I just love stories. Uh, so I normally would not like not during the pandemic when life is normal. Um, I don't watch every single kind of um, marketing bit that Netflix does for all of its shows and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I know season two is coming. I will watch that. I don't need to watch the little, but during COVID I was watching like every single kind of like umbrella Academy when everybody is like, I don't know, using their phone, filming themselves by themselves in their nicely cleaned apartment, you know, (laughs) I'm just going to assume they're normal people like me who's it makes me happier to think that other people only clean their apartment when it's going to be on camera, but I right. don't know. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> but so then they have all these little segments and then they're putting them not in a zoom room way, but like um, in, in, in an interesting way so that there's two or three people on the screen at a time and all right. their different places. And I'm like, Oh, this makes me happy. Just seeing that other people are also stuck, but they're still trying to entertain me <laughs> right right still trying to do still trying to to do the stories to tell yeah. a story yeah <laughs> yeah now, were there other things in Egypt that you found um besides uh that was it a full book that you had written and you pulled Jack out of it um so uh I pulled Jack out of the story there's not really um I wouldn't say like there was really like the plot is not very similar at all um so in uh Lights Out I have my female character Bryn Taylor she's a CIA analyst and she brings in um uh foreign intelligence officers from other countries to um work together in a cooperative way to fight global terrorism so in her opinion in order to fight global terrorism we all have to work together to to combat it so she invites these guys in one of them happens to be an egyptian foreign intelligence agent he goes missing so in the process of writing this story i was able to draw on some of the stuff that like i witnessed in egypt so the difference with this story that I think is in it's not really international in its setting um, is she has a partner who's in the CIA who's actually in Egypt and um, goes there. And so she's still in DC kind of like following the clues with Jack Hudson and but she's communicating with her counterpart in Egypt. But the the overall plot has an, an arc that returns to Egypt and kind of shows like how um, this big Middle Eastern ally of the United States, if they're crippled, it can really affect the US and, in, in, you know, in a, in a big way. And so um, I was able to kind of, you know, um, draw on like a lot of the cultural things. And I have, you know, we have dear friends who live in Egypt. So I was constantly like chatting with him, like, okay, tell me about this, making sure the names were accurate, because that was a huge thing for me. And <coughs> excuse me, when we lived in Egypt, we had a driver and his name was Hassam, and I probably got this wrong. I'm not going to say, you might have to cut that part. I don't know if, I'm not sure. His name, if you changed one letter in his name, it was horse or his name. And I, when I like talked to him, had mistaken that letter and called him horse. And he's like, what did you just call me? And I was like, I thought I called you your name. He's like, no. And so he corrected me and I was like, I'm so sorry, but that forever affected me because I was like, I do not want to get names wrong. You know, yeah. Middle Eastern names, they, they're, you know, they come down from the family. And so, 
Um, and they're very different culturally within the region. So like a Saudi Arabian name versus an Egyptian name versus, you know, a Iranian name, all of it very different. So um, I worked with my friend who is Egyptian and I was like, okay, help me out to make sure. And then like, um, when I was having to name like the president of the country, you, he was like, I, I, we were looking at names or something. He's like, you can't name the president something weak. Like it can't be a name that's weak because if it's like, let's say it's their name means bird. He's like, people look at names. They would not vote for somebody who's got bird in their name or whatever. That's just an example. That's not you know, like, I'm not yeah. saying that's act, but so it really, I, so I worked back and forth with him to make sure that we had accurate names for like location for the person's personality, that they were correct, you know, locationally and culturally. And so, um, so he gets a big shout out in my book because I was, I would have been lost without him, but it was very helpful to be able to, you know, have that and, and draw on that because I loved living in Egypt, even during the turmoil, even during the like, you know, unrest that we went through, which unrest was by the way, the name of the manuscript that will never be seen, but, um, <laughs> Uh, but it was, but it was really good to be able to like, you know, kind of bring that back. And I, and I do love the, you know, um, my Egyptian character that, you know, goes missing in the United States, even, you know, his whole background and stuff. Um, it, he was a fun character to, for me to write, because I think I based him off of a lot of different people that I knew in Egypt. And so it was fun to kind of put him into one. Nice. And then I also, I'm totally in love with, um, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, Kakoa? Kakoa, yes. <laughs> so explain to people why why that was also like a great character because you also lived in Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> so Kakoa Young is my Hawaiian character. Um, my husband is Hawaiian. So it didn't, it, it worked out really well that I could like actually create a character, um, not based off of my husband, but just based off of like the culture. So we, um, I, uh, Keikoa actually shows up in Silent Shadows, which is book three in the um, oh. Harvard Secret series. He has a, he has a, a cameo type appearance in that story. Um, and so it was him. fun to be able to give him, um, you know, his own story. Uh, I, I kind of, so it's one of the fun things. And I think that's the whole reuse recycle, you know, situation that we have as writers is we can plant these little Easter eggs in our stories with the dream that one day they're going to become their own thing. So in book two, um, Deadly to See, I'm just name dropping all of these books. Yeah, right now, this right? is great. Um, I'm, I've, I've got your website up over here. I'm like, oh yeah, that one. Yep. That yes. one. <laughs> so in Deadly to See, um, uh, the deputy Ryan Frost gets a recruitment letter from the SNAP agency headquarters. It's so anybody who wants to look that like you can look, he gets a recruitment letter from SNAP agency. So back when I was even dreaming up that story and writing it, I already had dreams for this series. And so he gets one and then um, Keikoa actually gets like recruited by them. So anyways, we lived in Hawaii. And so um, I was like, I'm gonna create this Hawaiian character. He's super fun. He awesome. just, he to me epitomizes like all of the best features of like my family, like my husband's family, who my husband is even as, you know, his, his culture, whatever. So um, it, my husband's always telling me, are you going to name a character like after me? And I'm like, no, but <laughs> there, like, there's a lot of attributes in Keikoa that come from my husband. And so that, you know, and my son. And so it was really fun to create 
to create him. But I think drawing on, you know, on all of that information, again, nothing that we ever experience as a, as a writer, as a creative is wasteful. And I think that's probably been what's been so hard about being isolated and being taken out of like experiencing because we're trapped in our house. Well, how are we going to write characters if we're not seeing people, observing people, observing situations, getting all of the sensory details of being out and experiencing new stuff? It's hard, you know, to find that creative, like that creativeness to be able to write that into a story if we're not out there living it. And so for me, that's been like a really big setback. I'm like, why can't I write this story? Oh, because I haven't been outside. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't talked to humans face yeah. to face, like actually see their face. What does a frown look like anymore? I don't know. So, so it's been, so it's been fun to like kind of draw off, you know, so I think Keikoa, you know, um, was fun to write just because I was able to use, you know, family and, and our own personal culture. And he, there's, um, I in so he's actually gets his own book I just released the cover today for book two which is titled fatal code and um, that one was fun because I not only got to do Hawaiian culture with Keikoa um, the heroine is um, she's American but her grandmother is got Korean blood in her and so it was fun because my husband is Hawaiian Korean Portuguese Irish but my daughter picked up a lot of Korean, like a lot of the Korean, um, you know, DNA. So she's got very straight hair. She's got paler skin. Her eyes are a little bit more, you know, curved, almond shaped. So it was fun to be able to kind of bring in a little bit of that, even though it's such a small, small part in the story. It was fun to just be able to kind of touch on both of our cultures. Like we put, you know, there's a, a barbecue scene in the, in the story. And so I got to put all of my husband's favorite food, like our family's favorite Korean food is in there. So, um, you know, we're going to think I'm going to end up doing, um, uh, a live video with my husband and I teaching everybody how to make spam musubis, which is a huge Hawaiian treat. So I think we're going to do that. So it'll be a lot of fun. Okay. I totally want to see that video. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Especially because like to see my husband and I communicate in the kitchen, you know, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be entertaining. Yes. Entertaining is what you're going for. Right. So yeah. obviously you guys were, were meaning to be entertaining. We, we, we always try to be, I mean, we we think we, we think each of us is funny to ourselves, yeah. whether anybody else agrees with that. Eh, it's anybody's guess. <laughs> All right. Now there's probably somebody listening who's like, Oh, fine. Sure. Lucky girl. You have lots of things to draw from, but you know, I'm, um, you know, all the variations of my, uh, this is actually true of me. Um, my American mongrelness is all the whitest people in the world, <laughs> you know, like England and Sweden. And, um, I forget where else, like, like all the Northern people. Um, so, you know, I have the, the palest skin and obviously my hair has turned white instead of whatever color. So, the nice thing is, is that I fit in right now in Sweden, <laughs> but, but there's probably somebody listening who's thinking I don't move all around the world. I've lived in the same house for 30 years and I don't have anybody interesting in my background that I know of. So how am I going to reuse and recycle things? So what other ideas can we give to people besides um, be in the military or um, make sure that you're from some sort of family lineage that has a lot of really interesting <laughs> combinations. Make sure that your grandfather did this, this, and this. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think, so I think there's a couple of options that I think are, that I use that I still draw off of. I mean, I have a crazy family. I have, you know, crazy connections, I guess, that are very beneficial to my stories. Um, <laughs> they always tell you, write what you know. So I'm, I write what's around me, what I'm seeing, right? Um, but I think that there is so much to be said about going out and like experiencing life and culture. Like you, even just people watching, you could sit in a park and draw up scenarios for the guy that's walking by or the mom that's with the child or I mean you can just draw up scenarios going to museums learning about history seeing like okay I mean even though like even you know if you like the Nordic area there's a lot of cold I mean you've got you Vikings you can do a whole story on Vikings that would be different than what anybody else could do because that's where it's coming from so I think I think the fun part part about being a fiction writer is that it's fiction so we can we can draw, we can take one thing that's factual, like, okay, if we're going to do about Viking and we can make it this, this grand thing. So, okay, I live in Sweden or I, I want to, I'm, I've got, you know, I'm from Sweden or, or, I'm, or I'm from wherever and I'm going to make a story. Okay. My ancestry is Viking. Okay. Maybe your grandfather wasn't a Viking or your great, great grandfather wasn't a Viking, but you could draw a character whose grandfather was. And then as you're doing that research, you're able to kind of draw in the things that are exciting and you're doing all these. So I think that that to me is the best, like one of the best ways is to just do a lot of research, study history I mean, be observant. But also I think talk to people. So many people, like we're naturally storytellers and we're naturally story listeners. We enjoy listening to stories. When we have something like, we might've had a crazy five minute drive on the road, but it's gonna be a 30 minute story because I gotta tell you all of the things. I gotta tell you how I was feeling. I gotta tell you what song was on. I gotta tell you what I was seeing. So it turns into like this thing because that's how we're naturally created to be. So I think like when we listen, if we just stop and take a moment and we like ask somebody like, hey, tell me your story. Then you can be like, this is great. Which is actually like what happened with, with Lights Out was we had a friend and he was, he was in, he's in an agency and he's just telling how he's just giving us his, like, this is what happened at work today. It was so stressful. We had some guys that came in from another country and they went missing. And I was like, wait, okay. Say, wait, say that again. And he's like, yeah, they went missing. Now we found them, you know, like 40, you know, 24, 48 hours later. And it was completely like harmless, whatever, but we sent them back to their country. And I was like, okay that's going to be in a story. And that's literally the catalyst that started it. But it wasn't wow. something I went through. It was literally just listening to somebody tell, tell about their bad day at work. So all of those things, you know, you can take, if you just let your imagination run wild, even watching something on the news, reading something in a story, you could read a story about a ballerina and be like, Oh, well, what if this happened? And that's how you start. And then you start, you're doing your research and you start using your imagination and then it's fiction. And that's the best part is that we can do all of that and add little bits of authenticity that really drive it home and make it a story that people will remember. Yeah. I totally love that. And again, just going to play devil's advocate here. Somebody's going to be saying, yeah, but I don't know anybody with a cool job. So <laughs> when you were talking, I was thinking, okay, two different times. I know one was at the Renaissance festival and one I think was just because I was determined to figure out, you know, where I was from. Um, and so uh, we found out, I have no idea, first of all, when people do research into family names and then they put it in a book, then they sell you the book for $30 or they, <laughs> they sell you your little, like at Renaissance Festival, that your name with 
some links, you know, like a, like a family tree thing that links to, you know, King George the eighth or whatever. And it's right. $30 and it's proof that you right. are related to. Yeah. Right. So I have no idea if any of the stuff is accurate, but we looked up John's mother's maiden name because she's English. And, um, and the, the information said that at one point, like the, the most famous thing about people with this last name is that at one point there was a boy with that last name who worked in the stable of the King for the King's horses. And John and I thought that was super cool. We told his mom, forgetting that culturally for us, there really isn't a class system in the U S but right. culturally for her, there is a class system, you right. know, still in her mind. And I have no idea if it actually is still in uh, the UK, but she was like, we do not come from stable boys. <laughs> and we're like, um, King, you're missing stable boy the point. King. Missing the point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then for mine, I, there was something about um, a carpenter and he, um, he stole, he stole, stowed away on a ship, like kind of Vikingish days. <laughs> and um, he stowed away and then he, um, uh, made a hole in the in the area where he was uh, stowed away and so the water was coming in and then uh you know this ship started like gaining water and um and he like made himself known he's like I'm a carpenter I can help I can save the day and so he he stopped up the hole again that he had made and he <laughs> saved the day and then oh he goodness. was known as like this you know, great guy who was sort of heroic. And I'm like, that's hysterical. So it's, there's so many stories, whether they're true or not, doesn't matter. Right. Right. Well, and like, for me, so like, I'm already thinking, I'm like, okay, if I would have read that, I would have been like, okay, how would I make a story about like something like that right now? And I'd be like, right. okay, well, what happens if there was <coughs> excuse me, a scenario where there was a fire in a building, but it was set by the person and he purposely set it so he could save everybody in there and be the hometown hero. Now he's this hometown hero. He's got this whole thing and he's like, they're going to catch me. They're going to catch me. And somebody is investigating and is going to catch him. So my head is already spinning on like a thousand different ways that you could take that person's like, he cut a hole in the boat. The boat started to sink. He rescued the boat. He, he had the skill set to, you know, fix the boat. And is now everybody's saved and he's got this now legend of he's the savior so like that could be used like okay it's a, a guy who wanted to be a firefighter but never could or a soldier who couldn't or like a psychopath who was like i'm gonna like start like he, i was a doctor but i got you know got whatever i'm not a doctor anymore and then he starts tainting medicine bottle you know i mean something that just so there's lots of ways I think like even, you know, you read that one little thing, but there's ways that you can like use your imagination. And quite frankly, like you don't know who that person is. You don't know if any of that stuff's true, but you, that's how you can make. So somebody doesn't have to be connected to, you know, somebody famous or somebody with, you know, a really huge job, or they could literally just take one little thing and say like, okay, well, what if they did this? Or how could I twist this? And then, you know, I think that there's, like I said, people like to talk stories. So that's, you know, um, if you went up to a police officer and I have done this before, I've been like, so can somebody in the state of Georgia take a gun into a courthouse? And of course the cop is going to look at you like, do I need to run your, you know, record or whatever? And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I promise I am a writer. I'm just trying to get some information. But for the most part, people will be really helpful and, you know, be like, oh yeah, let me tell you, let me tell you some stories that you can put into your story. And yeah. so, 
Once you get somebody on that road talking, you will have all of the information you ever needed and more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I will say, having once asked a police officer a question like that, definitely a better idea is to say, I'm a writer and I was wondering. <laughs> yes, yes. As opposed to, can you just yeah. tell me like, what would happen if? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Very good, very good advice. <laughs> I, I, I did, I did get the look and I'm pretty sure that he memorized my license plate before yeah, I took, drove away. Took a, took a picture and didn't know it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been fun. I mean, I, I have to say, I never really uh, put it into words or thoughts. The idea of, and I'm sorry, I just think this is really funny. Reduce the waste of like, don't throw things away. Uh, reuse things that you had to take out of one book and see whether or not they fit someplace else in a different mm -hmm. story recycle your experiences, the stories that you've heard, the stories that you've told, you know, um, there's so many things so that basically we would probably have to live to be 200 to write down all the ideas that we had. Yes. And, and the problem with that is, is that then we'd have another 150 years of coming up with new ideas. So. Right, right. Or, or your children or your grandchildren mm -hmm. are going to find the book that has like cyanide poison in the Gatorade. And they're gonna be like, what was my grandmother doing? Yes. And what a great legacy to leave behind, unanswered <laughs> questions that they will be able to write stories about for the future generations. That's right. You're actually helping. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie, it is always way fun talking to you. Thank you for sharing all of your ideas. And by the way, so Lights Out, I got a chance to read it early and I'm not 100% <laughs> sure what date this episode is going to air, but what's the release date for Lights Out? The release date is November 2nd. So it comes out, um, which I mean, I don't know when this will come out, but that's a, basically a week from today. So November 2nd. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well then I can guarantee people, if you're listening, the book is out, definitely check it out. It is book one. So you don't have to be worried about coming into, you know, book three of a series and you don't like doing that. But of course that always means that you can read book one, two and three, but, <laughs> <laughs> and so Kakoa's story is next. Yes, Keiko's story is next. That come uh, Fatal Code releases in the <clears throat> summer of 2022. Nice. And because you write romantic suspense, does that mean that he's going to get a girlfriend? Yeah, he's going to get a girlfriend. He's kind of awkward. Be the girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of <laughs> awkward, but he's he's cute. He's a lot of fun. He's so adorable though. He cooks. He's a he's got he like just seems to just love on everybody in a very non um uh, government agency sort of way. And <laughs> yes, yes. He's, he's like a big teddy bear, a big Hawaiian teddy bear. That's what he sounds like. Yeah. I totally want to meet him. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, where can people find you and all of your books and anything else that you're doing online or in person, maybe even? Well, I'm on social media pretty much all the time. I love, you know, posting stories, giving people insider information on what's going on in my life, which is crazy most of the time. Um, but you can, so you can find me on Instagram and Facebook, Natalie Walters, writer. You can also find me on the website and links to those social media pages at www.nataliewalterswriter.com. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, once again, totally fun. I know that you have a deadline because you're working on another book that needs to be hurried, hurried and finished so that we can all read it, which is awesome. So I just want to thank you again. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today and for giving us some new ideas for what we can do with our, um, not only coming up with new stories, but how to layer really interesting things into the stories that we're working on right now. Yeah, perfect. It was so much fun, Kitty. Thank you so much for having me.